hey! Thankfully, I landed directly onto one of these comfy little chairs. What are the chances? Damn, these are comfy. Oh, oh Dan, Dan, are you okay? Ooh, you got the breath knocked out of you, didn't you? Breathe. Oh, come on, man. Get up. Somebody's here. Who's that? Uh, it's two devilishly good-looking young men in their prime. You liar! It's just us! But our eyes. What is the problem? I can't believe that we sat through two seasons of that show and I you mean, still so have countless directors. Actors, Look at all the characters and tell the me that there's one that's worth following that's worth caring about in the end. The ending made no sense. And none of it mattered because the story just kind of fell apart. Is this supposed to be a scary horror story? Or is this a ridiculous slapstick comedy out of I don't know. It's stupid. Listen to the sounds. Wow, a fart joke? Really? That's like they knew exactly what would piss me off the most. I'm about to go off, Adam. This is your fault. I refuse to take responsibility for this mess. My fault? You were the one who wanted to make a oh, podcast. Oh, come on. Just because I like to argue doesn't want to mean to yell about this stupid show you that like I hate so much. You like all sorts of shit that's influenced oh, by really? Trump. I like shit. Department, your source for all the Twin Peaks ire you could possibly handle. I am your host, Daniel Williams. And I'm your co-host, Adam Bauer, here for Twin Peaks The Return. Oh, Adam, are you excited? I am excited. Oh, God. I mean, this is my favorite part of the whole series. I mean, I love the film, and I love the original series for a lot of reasons. Not sure it's not perfect as you and I know, <laughs> but I think The Return is breathtaking television. Revolutionary television in oh, fact oh come on we are diving in diving in i said it well it's season three we get to dive in again yeah i know right i'm sure you figured it out this is a non-traditional narrative it does not have the pacing of a typical hour-long tv show and yeah. it feels like this is a man at the end of his career that has just basically unloading everything he's learned over the past 50 years 40 years adam i feel like for episode one, you're laying a lot of shit on me, man. I am. Because that's not what episode one feels like. It might be what the return is overall, but episode one felt, I won't say traditional, but it felt typical in a modern setting. A lot of the trouble I had over the previous two seasons of Twin Peaks was that I was watching an old show and it felt that way. This feels like from a, a visual perspective, from a almost not quite a story perspective because he still got himself in there. But it feels like more of what I'm used to. It's a bit more comfortable. It's easier to slip in yeah. than Twin Peaks was. Right. Twin Peaks season one was. That's yeah. yeah. That's fair. So, yeah, I remember in your notes pretty early on, you commented that you uh, really appreciated the clarity. Yeah, it does have a more modern visual aesthetic, and that is something that I can grasp onto as far as like I understand this. Yeah. I, I get this. Well, good. I'm holding out hope that maybe you'll discover the return as your gateway into Twin Peaks fandom. The original air date, May 21st, 2017, so just a couple years ago, <laughs> a, basically. Yeah. Feels fresh. Written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, and of course, directed by David Lynch. Every single episode in this limited event series was directed by David Lynch, and they were all co-written by the two. Do we want to get into it, man? Let's, let's get into it. So we start off in the Red Room, and... Are we ever going to be done with Laura Palmer? Because she is so 1991, and I'm no. not here for that shit. It's 2017 now. Laura is at the epicenter of the story. Still. Seriously? God damn she it. Is, she is the one, as the log lady has mentioned before. Laura Ugh. is the one. Laura is the worst part of this show. She still has a very, very important part to play. Fine. In 25 years, <laughs> the only thing I feel like maybe David Lynch has learned is cold opens are cool now and drone shots are cheap. Fuck yeah, cold opens are cool. <laughs> they are cool. I love a good cold open. <laughs> the opening credits where they do these quick pans over the chevron floor, that was really hard for my eyes to lock in on, man. I was getting nauseous yeah. watching that. What we're seeing is just a, a kind of a recap from yeah. what happened at the end of season two. You're right. Where Cooper is in the room and it is the young version. It's yeah. 1989 Cooper. And he sees Laura and she says, you know, meanwhile and gestures with her hand. Yeah. And the screen fades to black. And then we kind of come up on this very ominous overhead drone shot or yeah. a helicopter shot of the mountains. And it's beautiful. Fog. And I think it goes to the high school. Just kind of a really brief, hey, this is what happened last time we 
we met. Right. Uh, Cooper was lost to the Black Lodge, and Laura died. I was really worried that they were gonna play a different track for the opening credits. Oh, a different music. And that track? you weren't gonna get that classic Twin Peaks. Did you notice that you really didn't get any music cues within the episode? You really, you got a couple of Lynch's compositions, mm-hmm. but nothing that I would call music. <laughs> okay, so after the credits. Is this the red room, but black and white? No, is it the gray it's room? not. I don't, maybe it's the White Lodge. I don't know. It's black and white. I, we, maybe it's not black and white. It could just be that that's all we're seeing right now, but it's not the Lodge. It's not the Black Lodge. Okay. Well, because the ghost giant's there, and he is not a Black Lodge spirit. But no. He was in the waiting room. And he was yeah, in the waiting room. Yeah. But Cooper's there, but he was left in the Black Lodge, so I was confused. I thought it was weird that ghost giants can age. Maybe that's inten- not intentional. Obviously, in real life, these, <laughs> right. these actors aged and they have no choice if they want to be in the show. But it could be that perhaps the lodge spirits age. Maybe their avatars age like their mm-hmm. human counterparts and that eventually they have to shed that and get another one. Hey, no one knows, right? Yeah, we don't no know. No one knows. They're not really forthcoming with that information. <laughs> or any information. Okay. Speaking of. Yeah. <laughs> so the ghost giant says, it's in our house now. It all cannot be said aloud now. Remember 430, Richard and Linda, two birds with one stone. And Cooper replies with, I understand. (laughs) I'm like, well, at least that makes one of us, pal. Uh, Do you understand at this point? I do understand. I mean, having seen the series. Yeah, you've seen the series. At this point, no. Take mental note of all of those things. (laughs) They will be on a test later. And uh, he goes on to say, you know, it's in our house now, which is kind of an alarming statement coming from the giant because – What's in, what's in their house? Are yeah. they saying that maybe something is in the White Lodge There's an or an evil wherever? spirit in the White Lodge? Uh, yeah, some dastardly shit going Uh-oh. on. But he asks Cooper to listen to the sounds, and we see a phonograph, yeah. and we hear this kind of weird, screechy, this? cracky, yeah, this weird, almost insect-like noise. Yeah. So obviously, his line, it all cannot be said aloud now, is implying that something's here. This probably isn't safe. I just need to give you bits and pieces of this right. information Remember it, kind of like you, Dan. Here we are at the beginning of the show, like, (laughs) remember this. Yeah, right. Get ready to fall down the rabbit hole. I am here. I'm here. I'm in the hole. I don't know what's happening. This is classic Lynch. Be like, here's a bunch of stuff. It makes no sense now, and it might not make sense later. (laughs) We'll get there when we get there. But it's going to be fun. Right. And Cooper disappears, kind of fizzles out of existence. Yeah. I felt a kinship to that where I was like, I don't know if I want to be in this place either, man. (laughs) And then from here, we move. <laughs> it gets wild immediately. Yeah. We move to the woods, yeah, which is, we all know, woods. not a safe place to be. Not a safe place to live, but nobody told that to Jacoby. No, yeah, because Jacoby now lives in a trailer in the woods. Yeah. He takes off it. He's wearing these dark glasses. They look kind of like welder's goggles. Yeah. And underneath them, he's wearing classic red and blue specs. He's still got the 3D specs, God man. He doesn't have the sweet cape. He doesn't no. have the snazzy suits. You can tell things have changed for Jacoby drastically over the past quarter of a century. That was one of the best reveals of this episode. Was, yeah, that was great. Was that the like, glasses <laughs> are still there? Yeah. Well, he uh, lives kind of near the peak of Whitetail Mountain. So... He is receiving a large shipment of exclusively shovels. Shovels. And that's fair because you can never use too many shovels. And that's this. We get shovels. We get Jacoby. Yeah. Which is kind of strange. I mean, the beginning of the show that has been off the air for 25 years with a rabid cult following, and it's such a wonderfully muted ease back into the universe. Like, they're not interested in parading you across the Great Northern right away or having Andy stumble with scotch tape. Like, no, everyone's still there, and everyone's pretty much kind of the same person, but we're going to ease you back into this world because we're going to go in so many different directions as we're about to find out now. With a tertiary character, too. Not even our yeah. secondary character, but with Jacoby of all people. And there are yeah. going to be, and we've talked about this while watching the original series, there are going to be a lot of folks that do not make the return. And some good. And some do, and you'll kind of ask yourself, why did he bring them back? Well, just because. Yeah. We're going to move across the country. Yeah, to, to New, New York, York City. City. Who? Who? How cosmopolitan. Yeah, I know, right? We are not stuck in Twin Peaks anymore. Yeah. This story is going to unfold across the United States, Daniel. Do we go globetrotting? No. Oh. Uh, not really, no. This is a beautiful skyline shot it of is. New York City at night. HD, too. It's- I, I thought it would be so funny if Lynch was using... Just a really good matte painting because he's David Lynch and he <laughs> is weird like that. Decides to use a matte. Yeah. Who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, he just kind of pumps up out of nowhere. Yeah. We're not given too much information about this no. young man. We just 
kind of see what he's doing, which is sitting in a room with a, yes. a huge metal door and a keypad and a lot of electrical equipment. It looks like audio equipment. There's some cameras too, yeah. And a giant glass box. The cool box. And it's not just a normal glass box. It almost looks like a camera itself. It has a tube or a port that goes out into the city. I don't know what's happening in this And you correctly scene. surmise that you weren't supposed to, but Ooh, he's, yeah. we know that he's very quietly watching this box, and he's not just watching it, he's maintaining the SD cards that are in the cameras that are recording the box. So yeah. it's just surrounded, and it's this wonderful meta commentary on watching the boob tube or watching TV. You know, yeah, we're, definitely. We were kind of Sam that moment, just <laughs> sitting there on the couch watching, waiting for something to happen, you know? <laughs> I like this cabinet that he puts the cards Ooh, into. Yeah. It was very, I like the organization yeah, involved. The black, the black matte finish, the red knobs. Yeah, and you open it up and there were smaller. Th- I t- oh, it was, it, if you're an organizational fan, yeah, like, yeah, you exactly. would love that. Yeah. Did it's, you notice that this guy's left-handed? I didn't. You know what? Do you that's, notice it as someone that's left-handed? Yes, that know, is a red weird. flag. Red flag. <laughs> you see a left-handed person, you turn around <laughs> and you walk away quickly because they are weirdos. When he sat on the couch, I'm surprised you didn't notice the bonsai tree. Oh, I didn't notice yeah, the bonsai little, tree. I noticed I all of the packages. A little wink to the Windermere bonsai tree from season two. He has got a delivery. And I thought it was going to be a load full of shovels. Oh, you thought the shovel shit was going to start right away. Like, like, there's a shovel conspiracy in Twin Peaks. But it's coffees. From? Tracy Barbaretto. Who is this woman, the actress? Do you recognize her? I recognize her face. She's played by Madeline Zima. She was in The Nanny as a child, if you ever saw that. Yeah, she was in Californication more recently and a few other TV shows. Mm, yes, so, I do remember her from California. There's going to be a lot of, there's a, just a ton of cameos in this series. Yeah. Just a ton. As you mentioned, you know, we're pretty much done with this scene. Yeah, it was just set up to, like, what the fuck's up with this box? Right. You know, just Lynch setting up a nice mystery for yeah. us, you know? The most unrealistic part of the show so far is that this clearly young man. This, this youth. This youth, this millennial, does not have earbuds in. He's not listening to a podcast. Philistine! All millennials listen to podcasts. That's yeah. a documented fact. At the very least, he should have been scrolling through BuzzFeed articles. Right, on his yeah. He should have been really on Tinder ridiculous. or some shit. Come on, Lynch. Know your audience. He didn't need Tinder. He's got Tracy knocking on his door. Well, we'll get there and in when a little I, bit. When I first saw this, I kind of thought, you know, she really wants to get in there. You yeah. know, it felt like she was more interested in getting in there than she was with Sam. Like, Sam was just a means to an end. Like, I, I thought maybe be. she was a journalist. But I think she just works at the coffee shop. I think we're never going to find out, Adam. I could be wrong. I've only seen one episode. But based <laughs> on what happens later, none of it matters. <laughs> okay. We spent some time in New York City, a new location. We need yeah. to go somewhere more familiar. We need to go yes. to our warm blanket. We need to go to the Great Northern. Yeah, we're back at the Great Northern. Ben looks like he's had a change in offices at yeah. It's definitely not the same office from the original no. series. Uh, maybe he decided to move. He's got some windows this time. Yeah, right? he probably wanted to get some natural lighting in. And you know what? I was really disappointed to see that he had a cigar. He did. The carrots didn't last long. Did ben, not. <laughs> ben likes his cigars and he's still enjoying them. Ashley Judd walks in and Adam, I was so shocked. I was, you never mentioned Ashley that you always do that. You hide the cameos, you hide the, <laughs> well, there the, are, the stars. Yeah, there are so many in the return. So there's no point in, you know, I'm not teasing any. You're just going to have to discover them. I was shocked and I was like, that's Ashley Judd. No, that can't be Ashley Judd. They're going on about a refund. So yes. apparently <laughs> Mrs. Houseman wants to be comped right. uh, a couple of nights because there was something about a, a skunk. Yeah. But is she a blogger. Is she an influencer? Is she trying to get a free room? <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, Ben mentions that she's going to get the nights comped because, she, you know, her and her, her friends keep the spa running. So yeah. it's all cool. As Ashley Judd's character is kind of heading on back to work, Jerry pops in. Yeah, we finally see Jerry again. Jerry, who boy. Has undergone quite a transformation. I loved Jerry, if you recall, in the early episodes that he started showing up in. And he got weird, and I kind of stepped away from my Jerry standship. But I'm back. <laughs> I'm Jerry's here cool, for it. Yeah. He's got a big bushy beard. Oh, yeah. and he, he looks like a warm and friendly old man, and he <laughs> he is just head to toe digging the uh, northwestern Pacific yeah. aesthetic right now. Yeah, he's got he? he's got it going for him. Totally. Yeah, he's got a sweet knit cap on. <laughs> he's got some really comfortable looking boots on, and I don't know. He just looks like he's a very comfortable man. He has a new calling in life. Yeah. I would like to play you the first clip from Twin Peaks: The Return. Jerry's new job, as yeah. I've been calling it. Swimming, in my mind, at this time, literally, is my new hydroponic indica sativa hybrid. A touch of the mythic AK-47 by way of the Amsterdam Express. 
It's baked into this banana bread and infused in this potent spreadable jam that's ideal for creative sojourns of a solitary nature. Wheels up. Jerry, a prophet is without honor who eats his own prophets. R&D, Brother Ben. It puts me in a groove and where it stops, nobody knows. <laughs> Thank God you are no longer in the hotel business. Where have you been, Ben? Yeah, my new legally sanctioned business is tripling our revenue. Of course, Jerry's <laughs> high as fuck. Yeah, of course, Jerry is into edibles. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, the first series, he was all about these smoked cheese pigs and <laughs> legs of lamb. Yeah. Now he's got a THC infused banana bread with white all jam. And it just looks, it looks and it sounds amazing. And his description of it is even better. So Jerry has ascended to a different plane of thinking. So. I guess I just assumed that he was actually a farmer, but you're saying he's just doing edibles? Well, I both. He's probably, okay. He says that Horn Industries, the revenue has been tripled by pot farming. So Jerry is obviously spearheading edibles and probably legal weeds. So good he, for Horn Industries. Yeah, he has embraced the 21st century for sure. And that's that's it. Jerry's a pot farmer. Ben still focuses on the Great Northern. Yeah. Mo- a little more straight and narrow, it seems, which mm-hmm. is fine by me. That's good. Let him be the straight man to Jerry's pot farmer goofy guy. Oh yeah, the way that the scene ends. Is that mother's hat? Yeah. Just fucking phenomenal. <laughs> they rolling. I think I'm going to blow your mind, but so far, so good. Alright. That's know? good to hear. We'll see when we get to part two or <laughs> next week All we'll right. see how I feel. Well, we're, we're going to stay in our comfort zone and we're going to go to the sheriff's department. <laughs> Lucy... Is just being Lucy here. Yep, Lucy is sitting at the desk when a gentleman walks in. A yeah. heavyset gentleman. Looks like he's, it sounds like he wants to sell some insurance. Yeah. He's coming to speak with Sheriff Truman, and she asks. Which one? <laughs> what? And that, Adam, yeah, what? There are two Sheriff Trumans now. Daniel, oh, d- the doppelganger. No. Uh, no, Harry's doppelganger didn't come through? Oh. As Lucy says, one of them is sick and one of them is out fishing. And this fucking hack wants to sell someone insurance. He doesn't even know who he's supposed to talk to. Get the fuck out yeah, of here, you man. Yeah, at least have a picture. I mean, he's a sheriff. You should yeah. know what he looks here. Well, right. This scene kind of is plays around a bit, but ultimately it's just a showcase. Hey, Lucy's still Lucy. This scene is weird because it looks like David Lynch took parts from multiple takes to extend it. Watching that scene again more carefully, there is an extra, I'd like to see Sheriff Truman well yeah. after he says it. And it yeah. does look like they put in a take in there. Well, we are a third of the way through this episode, and I'm not quite sure if anything has happened. Yeah, we went to Twin Peaks a couple of times. We yeah. saw some people we knew. We saw some people we don't know. You know, all in all, when you kind of come back to a show like this, you want new things. You want new ideas, yeah. and we're getting it right now. So We are. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to that dastardly of places, the woods. Listeners, are you into alpha males, badass leading ladies, and happily ever afters? Then check out another great Calamity Cast podcast, Dick of the Week, where I chat with my other two co-hosts about everything we love and sometimes hate about both writing and reading romance novels. So grab a glass of wine, get comfortable, and let's get down and dirty about romance. Find it on CalamityCast.com or wherever you find your podcast. In modern-day Bristol, someone is copying one of the most infamous serial killers of all time, Jack the Ripper. Only this time, the story is different. A woman survives and decides to get her revenge by taking the law into her own hands. But in so doing, she awakens a darkness deep inside her. If you like suspense, thrillers, and serial killers, tune in to Jane the Ripper, an audio drama, coming to CalamityCast.com, Halloween 2019. We are back. We are talking Twin Peaks, The Return, and Daniel likes it so far. I, I gotta tell you, I am shocking even myself. Well, I want to see if it holds, though. You know, because you could, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> episode one and two, you're like, okay, cool, I'm digging it, it's new, it's different. And then we kind of get a little further on, and you're just, the patience is gone. Well, we'll see. We'll see. As long as they hit me with some plot eventually, some straws I can grasp, okay. I feel like I won't 
lose it. I gotcha. I need some threads to pull, some straws to grasp, other metaphors. The show, I will say this, the show very much encourages you to be present in the moment and kind of paying attention and maybe reading into a little bit of the subtext or like, who did this? Why would they do this? Oh, okay. You can kind of start piecing certain things together in your head. I would say take notes, not just Black Lodge complaint department notes. I would even maybe have another document where you would write stuff down like, 430, Richard and Linda, just like a little running tab. So when we get to the last episode, you have like, okay, I feel like I've got the information here to kind of give you an idea of what I think happened. Okay, well, in the meantime, <laughs> this scene starts out with a banger of a track, dude. David Lynch. I know, I could tell, but I was like, damn, this has <laughs> got good. a solid beat. And what a great way to introduce Cooper's doppelganger. I call him Joshua Tree Cooper in this, just because I'm like, <laughs> long hair, kind of sunburned. Yeah, he's got the hair extension, long <laughs> yeah. hair, and he's got like a ponytail kind of thing happening in the back. I mean, bit, if Bob's yeah. inside of him, you know he's going to have probably have long hair. Yeah. He's got a leather jacket with snakeskin print <laughs> shirt. It's weird that he didn't go full denim like Bob. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, he gets out of a Mercedes, so yeah. he's obviously doing very well for himself. I am so curious as to what Bob's doing and what he's been doing for 25 years. Because he's not just getting the, what is it, Garmin Garmin Bonzia. Garmin Bonzia. Like, he doesn't, it looks like he doesn't give a shit about that anymore. He's got multiple machinations. He's doing things. He's got plots and schemes. He's teaming up with hillbillies. Yeah, and this, the, Bob is not in direct control here. This is... You know, when we see dude stepping out of the car and punching the hillbilly, that is Mr. C. That's but not who Bob. is Mr. C? Cooper's doppelganger. But isn't he directly controlled by Bob is a dark passenger. This is the doppelganger. This is not Bob in direct control. This is Bob hitching a ride oh, on the okay. evil guy who's just doing horrible things and he gets to enjoy the delicious benefits of Interesting. being so. I thought that it was just an empty vessel that had to be controlled. The whole thing with the doppelgangers, obviously, David Lynch, not well explained in the past. So I don't know. It was one in one episode. Well, right. You I know? mean, we make it perfectly clear right now that this is the dark mirror of Cooper. So okay. it is a totally sentient, okay. evil duplicate of Cooper. Okay. I, I didn't know if they had kind of their own personalities, so, so to speak. He is doing very well for himself right now. We don't know too much more than that. And he's heading up to a creepy farmhouse. Yeah, let's get into this, yeah, what is available scene. of this scene. Yeah, so he walks up to a dude who's stepping up with a shotgun and just Security, fucking, yeah, he's yeah, a bouncer, knocks essentially. Him out. Yeah. Fuck this guy. He's come to see a man named Otis. Well, Otis is there. He did not come to see Otis, but see he Otis. greets Otis and takes Who a seat. Who appears to be drinking urine from a jar. Everclear, right? I just I assumed it was I, moonshine. Oh, I, it looked kind of cloudy and yellow. I was like, he's, he's got a tea. sweet mustache. <laughs> he does. And a jar full of potatoes next to him. I yeah, don't know. That was urine. That was potatoes in urine, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. That's how you pickle potatoes, yeah. totally. Okay. And so, then there are a couple of people sitting kind of in the back yeah. of the room in a shadow or you know, next to a lamp, a creepy guy in denim overalls and uh, another guy in a wheelchair, and they're just kind of observing. You can't trust anyone in overalls, Adam. No, he's got that stringy long yeah. hair. Listen, this is a, a message for everyone out there listening. Overalls. Bad Run the other way if yeah. you see someone wearing denim oh, yeah. overalls. The scene kind of lingers for a minute, yeah. and the <laughs> does bouncer, it? yeah, the bouncer comes back in. But <laughs> he does, I forgot. Yeah, the bouncer <laughs> comes back in to get revenge on Cooper's doppelganger. He, but he lays him out. He lays him out again. He just yeah. flicks the stock of the shotgun and it hits him on the head and knocks him out. So yeah. evil Cooper is very, very good <laughs> at what he does. A lady rolls in from the other room named Beulah. Beulah, yeah. Okay. And, again, Beulah is not who we're looking for either. Cooper, Mr. C, he's called Mr. C, right? From here on out, Cooper's doppelganger will be called Mr. C. Mr. C is looking for Ray and Daria because they... We don't know. We We don't even know who Ray and Daria are. Right. We just know we want some new names. (laughs) And that's it. They come out from the back room. They've been... Are they hiding? It they're seems in the back. like they're hiding. I don't know what this place is. I assume Cooper's connected to it in yeah. some way as far as like through organized crime or... Hillbilly crimes. the Yeah, best crime, I think dude. it's some kind of like a cook shop hideout or yeah. I don't know, but it's obviously it's got something to do with organized crime in some capacity. So there's some kind of organization here. We don't yeah. know what it is, but it's there. Because You're... when Ray and Daria leave, they hand these pieces of paper to the two gentlemen that are sitting off in the back of the room. No, I don't right. know if you noticed that. that. Yeah. No. And we're we're out of there. We're out of the woods. Yeah, Mr. C tells Otis, see you later, man. Yeah. And we're gone. So Back to New York City. Yeah, back to New York. We are flying from yeah. Twin Peaks to New York. It's insane. We are jet setting. Okay, Adam, are we monitoring some kind of lodge portal here? I noticed that in your notes. I that was a very excellent 
perception. After 30 episodes in a movie, yeah. I think I've figured you think something you've figured out. figured out, yeah. yeah. Okay, Tracy is back to visit Sam. She's but, got more coffee. But things are very different. Yeah. Nobody's no, here. Nobody. The guard is missing. And she said nobody, implying that there were other security passes yeah. before the guard. The entire building seems to have been emptied out. She seems a little worried. She does, but she's also more interested in seeing what's behind that door and what's in that room. Because she automatically suggests, hey, that means I can come in. I think she's just super horny, dude. Uh, yeah. Maybe she just is really into Sam. And he's a good looking guy, so, you know, understandable. But I yeah. thought maybe she was a... Looking for the scoop, but I think I was wrong. She is pretty impressed by this glass box, and as Sam explains, it's a glass box. Yeah. There's nothing particularly special about this glass box, and he tells us and he tells Tracy what his job is. So I'd like to play that clip for you. Yeah, because that's very important. It is. It's, it's sure. <laughs> it's a thing. It happened. I'm supposed to watch the box and see if anything appears inside. What? Do things appear? I haven't seen anything since I started. But the guy I replaced, he saw something once. What? He wouldn't tell me. Or couldn't tell me. We're not supposed to say anything about this place or that glass box. So his job is to watch the box. Yeah, watch the box and see if anything appears. That's what it looked like he was doing. So he was a good employee. And, you know, people like me and you that know what's going on in Twin Peaks, it's kind of, okay, that makes perfect sense. Right. Adam, they're drinking their coffees. They're sitting on the couch. They're watching the glass box. And I hate on screen when you see people drinking from paper cups. And they're so obviously empty because cups with liquid in them, they have weight. They don't move around like, you know, you're jerking your arm around like... Just put some water in the cup. <laughs> yeah, they won an award from Slate Magazine for this episode. For the most yeah. obvious empty cups. They go around and, and find modern television shows yeah. that make that mistake where they've got clearly empty cups. Yeah, where you think they're going to launch the cup across the room because it's so light. Oh, God. I know that's such a stupid thing to get hung up on. But you every time it. I'm like, four ounces of water. Yeah. And it would change how that person carries the cups. Anyway, this has been mm. Cup Talk with Daniel. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. <laughs> Sam says he thinks the place is run by an anonymous billionaire. An anonymous so billionaire. So someone with a lot of money that would want to watch a lodge opening. Jeff Bezos. And, dude, they start making out. Yeah. Hardcore making out. And it, uh, it doesn't stick to just making out for no. very long. Tracy disrobes. She kicks it up several notches because, yeah. judging by the underwears involved, Tracy does not fuck around. She gets down to business. This ain't your mama's Twin Peaks, no, man. No, it's not. Because very quickly, yeah. Adam, very quickly, we are fucking. Yeah. Thank you, Showtime, for taking on the series because it needed to be it on a premium. Fucking. Yeah, it needed fucking and nudity <laughs> and violence and all that great stuff. Yes, yeah, so there, I mean... You thought there uh, was some sexiness and firewalk with me with some boob shots, but no, no. Mm-mm. We get butts. Well, while this is going on, yeah, something's man. going on with the box. What is happening of course, in this box, dude? The box is just getting dark yeah. and spooky, and that's not good. We know that's not good. <laughs> the view- viewer's like, hey, 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 you know, turn, turn around. around. It's like old school horrors like here. It is, it is. Twin Peaks has always been kind of a genre mashup between science fiction and noir and police procedural. So it's no surprise that he's kind of trying new things out here. And yes, you're totally right. This is like a kind of a riff on the modern horror ghost thing because this weird apparition appears in the box. It looked like a nude bald lady. We've never seen this being before. We've seen a lot of people from that place. Yeah. And not anything that's looked like that before. It appears as if she's phasing in and out of our reality. Yeah, she's kind of disappearing and and reappearing, but still in the same space. And Adam, some crazy shit happens. It kind of bangs up against the glass, and Tracy and Sam are like, oh, oh fuck. Yeah. And they don't immediately just start putting clothes on. They're just frozen, like deer in headlights. Sam is still inside of Tracy. And that was a bad move, because immediately, whatever it is, breaks (laughs) out of the glass box and rips them to shreds. Yeah, like blood just spraying everywhere. Yeah, the music spiking, just very high-pitched. Yeah, Tracy and Sam were horribly mutilated by that creature from the waist down from the waist up there's still just bloody boobs and mm-hmm. stuff but we and can assume it. that it's just gore and viscera mm-hmm. from the waist down <laughs> and hey you know what sam tracy it was nice meeting you hey see you later but yeah. that box was cool I it liked, was a cool yeah. you know what it's like they didn't know to, to build it out of something stronger they're like you know Glass from Home Depot out of cover. That's just fine. <laughs> yeah, and whoever built that knew damn well like what they were dealing with. Yeah. Know, like you think, but maybe that was the 
point? I don't know. To murder youths? Could be. Could be. I mean, we know they're kind of like vampires, essentially. <laughs> you know, but instead of blood, they feast on our emotional output. But Then why did she kill them, man? Why didn't she just give them the spooks? Well, we know that lodge spirits feed on pain and sorrow. So she spooked them. Yeah. That wasn't good enough. She's like, I'm going to fucking kill him and get my garmon bovzia, baby. <laughs> She's like, I scared him and he's still hard. Yeah. Nope, fuck this. They're dying. Like she, I, th- I think it, she just killed him just for the food. And then she'll get to feed again when whoever comes in is like, ah! Well, and yeah, Go is on. it out? Like, is it out into the world? I hope so. Adam. You know, did whatever that is, is it out, escaped into the into, real world? To New York City. But we have to be somewhere much more important now. We have to go to Buckhorn, South Dakota. Adam, South Dakota, Buckhorn. We're meeting Marjorie for the first time. I am sure Marjorie is very important to this series going forward. Am I right? Oh, yeah. Main character. And her dog, Main antagonist. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, She's the true evil. Yeah. Okay. Adam, what? What's going on here? What is going on here? We find out about what's happening in this apartment building as yeah. uh, Marjorie is, is taking her dog Armstrong, I think, in from a walk or taking him to a walk. And Armstrong is at a door in their apartment complex. He's he's scratching, he's sniffing, something's up. They smell something yeah, weird. And Marjorie gets a whiff of it, too, and it does not look pleasant. And her neighbor, Ruth, isn't answering the door. So she calls the police and... They come... She couldn't remember her address, right. which is kind of a run. It's just because she's a goofball. Okay. But yeah, they get there, and we basically just start this kind of long back and forth yeah. of them trying to get into Ruth's apartment, but the maintenance man isn't there, and then they go try and find the other guy that's there, but he's being suspicious, and so he doesn't want to talk to the cops. But ultimately, it results in Marjorie realizing that Ruth Davenport left her key yeah. with Marjorie in case she went out of town so she could water her plants. So Marjorie oh had the key... The whole time. This was a direct homage to early season one Twin Peaks, and you're like, let's just get to the <laughs> This was the low point, I think, for me here. I'm like, what? We all know that there's a dead body in that apartment. Let's fucking get in there and see the dead body. Did you happen to notice how bad Marjorie's, like, Northern American accent was? It was okay. I mean, I, I don't know if I would be able to pull off a convincing... She kept slipping in and out of it. Like, this is clearly a California person trying to do this kind of, oh, gee, golly, accent, you know? Yeah. Okay, so in Ruth's apartment, we're in there. Yeah, we finally get in, and there's not too much that yeah. looks to be out of the ordinary. She's got some, you know, typical living room, and there's no signs of commotion. There's no, no destruction or anything like that. We go to the bedroom, Adam. And we see just a, kind of a lump on the bed. mm That's no good. Mm -mm. And they get in and get a better look at what's happening here. They pull the blanket back and Ruth is super dead. (laughs) Yeah. She looks like she got shot through the eye. Yeah. I couldn't tell if that was supposed to be a bullet wound or if someone like carved an eye out or something gruesome. Yeah. Someone uh, shot her straight through the eye. Yeah. Gross. And from here, we go outside because we don't need to be in here too long, right? This is a gruesome murder scene. And they, uh, the cops find it. They have to call it in. They need yeah. to get CSI there. And the maintenance man you mentioned is talking to someone on the largest Zach iPhone. Zach Morris cell phone. Yeah, he's talking into an iPad. It's so fucking big. Anyway, he's talking to someone about something. I don't know. Normally, I would have something from the subtitles to offer you, but I could not figure out the subtitles in Showtime. So... Maybe next week. (laughs) Not long after uh, the maintenance man, we see investigators are kind of descending on the apartment. Right. The medical examiner lady is there. They pull back the blanket to reveal that head is not attached to that body. No, it's clearly not. I know you didn't notice it, but I was like, those are two different bodies. I did not notice it at first. (laughs) A very hairy body. I didn't notice the penis or anything. (laughs) Well, it was obscured. No, I know. know. (laughs) So, yeah, Ruth has been shot through the eye. Her head has been severed. And it looks like someone staged the body with another body. And someone else's head has been severed, too. Yeah. <laughs> things did not go well. This is such a gruesome revelation. It is. It's very horrifying. Yeah. I need to take a break because I'm not used to this kind of stuff. No, it's very weeks. heavy, too. That yeah. hole where they're kind of walking around the apartment, Oof. that really ominous music. and Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. And we're going to head back to Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yeah. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Double R to Go. In today's modern go-go world, the Double R is here to help you keep up. Introduced in 2017, Double R to Go has brought the Double R Diner into the modern era. They even use a computer. That's right. Nothing says modern like a magenta Apple G3. Come on, man. They're doing their best. They sure are. And with the Double R's Double R to Go, their best is almost good enough. And we're back here at the Black Lodge Complaint Department, finally discussing the return. Episode 1, Part 1. We just uncovered a gruesome discovery in South Dakota, but now we're heading back to the Pacific Northwest and Twin Peaks. The beauty and the majesty of Twin Peaks. And we first get the log lady. She's calling in. Yes, she's calling Hawk. She doesn't look good at it. No. Catherine Coulson passed away from cancer before they started filming. Thankfully, they were able to get her in and record a series of scenes for the show. Oh, wow. So she filmed this stuff and passed away, and then they made the show and then cut this in. So what you're seeing is was, I think, filmed well before they started filming the show properly. So very sad that Catherine yeah. Coulson's no longer with us. Log Lady was fantastic, but it was such a delight to see her back for a little bit here. Whew. Okay, so she's calling into Hawk, who is looking like quite the distinguished old he gentleman is, with his yeah. long gray hair, man. He's looking good. So... Margaret, well, the log has a message. Yeah. So can I play you the log's message, please? Yes. Something is missing, and you have to find it. It has to do with Special Agent Dale Cooper. Dale Cooper. What is it? The way you will find it. has something to do with your heritage. This is a message from the log. Okay, Margaret. Thank you. Good night, Hawk. Good night, Margaret. Whoa. Here we, yeah, here we go. We kind of kickstart. We got a message from who we assume to be the giant at the beginning of the episode, yeah. and now here we are toward the end of the episode, and we're getting another message from the log. Hey, and can I ask you a question about something I literally just thought of? What? Is the log possessed by the spirit of her dead husband? Probably, maybe. I mean, it's never confirmed. Like I said, that's the first time I've ever considered that, but I think that's new canon. That log is possessed by the spirit of her dead husband, which is why she's always cradling it. I was wondering if she ever puts that down. Do you think she sleeps with that log? Or does she have a little dog bed that she yeah. lays it in at night? It I sits think in the, the foot log, of her yeah. bed. Yeah. And the log's got its he's own got bed. He's got his own bed. <laughs> oh, he, the log of oh, the he. Yeah. And well, he's well you just said bed. it was her dead husband. Now you've, <laughs> now you've assigned a gender to it. Well, I like that you quickly took to that. You're like, yeah, no, that makes total sense. <laughs> and maybe it's addressed in the books. I can't remember. I don't, we might, we I might. I never want to know. I'm fine with it being what I just said. in your head. Yeah. Lynch would love that. I mean, that, that's. Bobby fun. and Snake, lovers. Diane, an actual tape player. The log, her dead husband. These are all things that I have come up with, and I'm living with them. You're running with it. Yeah, this is... Okay, so the message, Adam, can you quickly paraphrase, because we've already... We've been talking so much about what is Basically something, there's something missing, and it has to do with Agent Dale Cooper. Yes. And Hawk will find it because it has something to do with his heritage. His being Hawk's? Hawk's heritage. Okay. Okay. And that was the message from the log. Hawk... Boy, again, just as we, as we exit this scene, looking good. Yeah, he just kind of returns to his resting state after the phone call with... <laughs> what is he doing? I don't know. It felt like, like a painting almost. He looks like my cat, Theo, who will just sometimes <laughs> just, just stare at stand the there staring at the wall. He's deep in thought, meditation. I don't know. That You know what? You're probably right. Can we go back to Buckhorn, South Dakota? We can. Okay. The medical examiner is doing fingerprint analysis. Her name is Constance, and she's played by Jane Adams who was in Happiness and Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, among other things. I've definitely seen yeah. Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, and it's real. another quick note is that Ruth Davenport, the, the yeah. corpse or whatever, the head is played by David Lynch's sister-in-law. <laughs> I got it. I got the perfect role for you. You're a severed head with a bullet hole in the eye. <laughs> okay. So this is where I come to realize. I don't come to realize it. It's explicitly told to me that this is not Ruth's body. No. <laughs> I, I did not notice. It's a dude. And the fingerprints that she ran don't come up as the dudes. They can't find it. They haven't gotten a hit on the John Doe. But 
they come up as Matthew Lillard. Well, the finger, the other fingerprints they find all over the apartment right. come up as Matthew Lillard. Well, the Lillard. ones that she yeah. ran that yeah, on the exactly. computer, computer analysis are Matthew Lillard. Yeah, just like, bam, out of nowhere. I was so excited, and I don't know why, because I'm not super familiar with all of his various roles, but... Almost everything I've seen him in, I've always thought to myself, like, he did an incredible job, and he was one of the best parts of Scream. He yeah. did a fantastic job, like, bringing Shaggy to life in that live action. That would have been really? so hard to do. Yeah, I don't know why, but I do like Matthew goddamn Lillard. Well, and it's interesting, he had didn't get any of the script. He just got the scenes he was in, so... You know, all the I stuff like he's when, doing, he's yeah. like, had, I had no idea what's going on with the rest of the show. I'm just got to pour myself into this and, you know. Yeah. I like when directors and creators do that. It adds more authenticity to the characters, not, you think like, oh, I, as the, mm. the consumer, don't, I don't know what's going on. But to know that the actors don't know and therefore the characters have genuine reactions to stuff because they don't know what's going on either. I yeah, no context that. is crazy. So good for you, Lynch. Constance mentions that Hastings, his name is William Hastings. No, is, his uh, name's Matthew Lillard. <laughs> is the principal there. Yeah. So that's not good. No. We move to Matthew Lillard's house. I don't care what his character's name is. <laughs> Does, is he this old? Did they age him? No, that's just, that's what he looked like in 2016, 2017, whenever they shot that, it. That can't be real. I mean, think about it. I mean, what, he was a, a young man, and when Scream came out, what was it, 96, 95? I mean, really? that's... Been a long time. I mean, I, I feel like they. I think he too looks much. good because Constance's 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 partner. I'm gonna call him her Mackley. partner, Mackley. He says that he and Matthew Lillard went to school together. <laughs> Mackley looks, is Mackley definitely looks a little older. older. Yeah, yeah, maybe he's a few years older. Anyway, yeah. none of that is neither here nor there because they are there to super arrest Matthew Lillard. Like he's well, going they, in. They open the door and another little piece of trivia in the back. There's a portrait of Franz Kafka who. Lynch, of course, oh, of course, absolutely adores. Yeah. So it's oh, you end. don't say. <laughs> but yeah, they're there to arrest poor Bill Hastings. Yeah, and he is has no idea what's happening. No, Both I have. He and his ideas. wife seem to be very surprised. What are your ideas, right? What's your initial read right now? I mean, I have to assume that he unknowingly is a vessel. Not a bad guess. It's not right, but it's oh, not a bad you. guess. <laughs> Fine, that's a good guess, though. I, yeah, damn right, it's a good guess. <laughs> it makes really perfect good. sense. Fine. So shut up. He's arrested and we're leaving. Like that's that scene. They have dinner guests, so he'd better come yeah. back home. But we I, have guests. Yeah. But did you notice that telling look that his wife kind of gave after he got slammed in the car? The camera just hung on her for a little bit, and she just kind of creepy look on her face. No, I did not. Is she a vessel? <laughs> there are vessels everywhere. <laughs> Someone's like, a goddamn vessel. We're gonna go to. The sheriff's department in Twin Peaks. I have to say Twin Peaks Sheriff's Department going forward, you know, because mm-hmm. we're we're at all different states. Yeah, exactly. Police departments, we're, we're everywhere. Over the place. It's cool. We gotta be more specific. And poor Hawk, as we well know, he hates paperwork. And he now he's gotta dig like up it. paperwork from twenty five years ago. Yeah. No thanks. He oh, yeah, he boy. pulls out the old Laura Palmer yeah. files and boxes are all and they look to be the same boxes. They're covered in red yeah. tape. And they've aged noticeably, so it's kind of cool looking at all this old swag from the old days. Yeah, and poor Andy, he... Andy rolls in for the first time. Uh, Yeah, okay, we should say, it's (laughs) Andy! Andy is here! Uh, In his belly, he has let himself go. He was such a svelte... Young it could gentleman. be a medic. It could be a medical condition. I don't it know. Could or, be a medical or I don't know. Right? You know, but you're right. My thought is that they just stuffed his shirt. I thought so he, too. He still has a thin looking face. Well, he still his arms are really thin. But I right. mean, still, I would hope I would even look halfway that that halfway decent <laughs> in 25 years. So he's got that fat tum tums. But, but it's still Andy. It is. You know, it's still he hasn't really changed. He's still who he is. He's still lovably dumb and innocent, yep. bright eyed at 50 something. He is. You know. Okay, Adam. I may have to introduce some more headcanon here, and you might be able to shed some light on this. Yeah. Did Andy and Lucy name their son after Waldo the Minor Bird? I don't know if they... Because the, their son's name is Walter. I, I kind of looked it up. I didn't see anything indicating it, but it wouldn't be surprising. I mean... That is my truth. <laughs> that young man is named after Waldo the Minor Bird. R.I.P. Waldo. Yeah. Well, they tell us that Cooper's been missing for 25 years. Yeah. So we all know, you know, real Cooper's just trapped, but... Fuck, Harry knows. Harry knows where Cooper went. He knows he went to the Black Lodge. Yeah, but he doesn't know that Cooper didn't come out. Are you telling me that Harry did not sit there every day? For 25 years. <laughs> he did not. 
Wow. But you, so, I thought we were yeah. bros. So basically, we here's the first time we really hear that Cooper's doppelganger emerged from the lodge. The last time we saw him, he was in the Great Northern yeah. with Truman and Doc Hayward, and he injured himself kind of being a creepy weirdo. But he disappeared. Oh, yeah. He fell off the map. So some things happened, and then he just disappeared. No one ever saw him again. So obviously, he slipped under the radar yeah. and amassed a great deal of power and wealth. They couldn't exchange email addresses back then. Adam... How does this scene end? Basically, he needs them to get everything, bring it up to the conference room. In the morning, he's going to bring donuts and coffee, and they're going to start diving in. I was surprised it took this long into the episode to mention donuts. Yeah. I mean, we got coffee fairly early on, but donuts... I mentioned uh, this before, but the return is kind of a critique on nostalgia. I can appreciate that, and I can appreciate that they're not hanging on what was. Well, we're going back to the Buckhorn, South Dakota police station. Yeah, Bill Hastings is in an interrogation room. Yeah, Matthew Lillard is a master of looking guilty. Who is this guy? You just told me his name and I've already forgotten. Detective Mackley. Okay, so Matthew Lillard throughout the scene, I don't care what his character's name is. Stop looking at me like that. He is getting like increasingly agitated. And I I liked that there was a slow ramp up. You know, he's like, no, no, no. I, I totally know where I was that day. And Oh, uh, you know, um, the the pizza party. Yeah, and the story keeps kind of changing and and veering off into, you know, he gets more and more nervous. He's Mm -hmm. playing his role very well is the point I'm trying to get to. Mackley asks him if he knows Ruth Davenport, and he kind of brushes it off like, oh, uh, maybe. Oh, is she the librarian? Yeah, yeah, okay. The city librarian? Like, oh, yeah, I know my librarian very well. So he acted kind of like if he did know her, it was very loosely. But as this conversation, as this interrogation progresses, things aren't really lining up here. Specifically, Bill Hastings says he left the meeting at 9.30-ish after pizza and got home about 10.20. And it only takes him about 15, 20 minutes to get home. So there's about 30 minutes that are unaccounted for there. And that is not good, considering Ruth is dead and... His prints are all over the apartment, so he clearly knows her. And someone else is dead, too. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's not forget that, you know, random John Doe. And this is when I, I started thinking that Matthew Lillard, that's right, he's Matthew Lillard, quit looking at me, was a vessel. Because it looks as though he's coming to realizations yeah. about how his timeline doesn't add up. Like, he's not playing it guiltily. He's playing yeah. like, oh, wait, 15, 20 minutes to get home, but there were 30 minutes missing why am I just now realizing that? No, you're absolutely you know? right. This is definitely calling back to Leland. Yeah. Um, right. But I, I think that's done on purpose to okay. kind of throw us off our comfort level to let us know that, hey, this show isn't going to be hitting all the same beats all yeah. the time. But I will say in your defense, I thought exactly the same thing when I watched this originally. I thought Hastings was a vessel and he just didn't remember it. I can't believe they didn't take it there. So you know what? I guess that makes me curious to see where they did take it. And I hope... It's not just a, a guy killed her. That'd be pretty pedestrian yeah, be pretty for David boring. Lynch. We'll have to find out, but answers are coming. Well, we have one more scene in this episode, and we move back to Matthew Lillard's house because yeah. there is a search warrant. But just, I'm sorry, let's back up a little bit because another police character is introduced. Hey, outside of the interrogation room, there's a, a state cop who has yeah. uh, got like a mustache. And He's a handsome fellow. Yeah, and then there's another local PD guy, yeah. bald guy. And the state cop, is he? who is he? Like, do we need to know right now? He's the one that actually serves the search warrant. Yeah. He's just really relevant in these early episodes because he's just a cop work in that okay. case. He's not, right. not any more important than that. So we move to Matt Lilly's house, and there's the search warrant is issued. So yeah, and his wife is still pretty incredulous about the whole thing. I'm like, yeah. ah, we've got that's funny. Company. That literally, tonight. the word I used was Mrs. Hastings uh, is incredulous. <laughs> They're having guests for dinner tonight. They're tearing up her house now. Yeah. No respect for mealtime. God no. damn it. But they want to check out the Volvo, Bill's Volvo, to be specific. Yeah. In the trunk, they find. What looks like a piece of turkey. Yeah. Do you notice his flashlight? Kinda yeah. Zapping in and out. I always Is just that... think of lodge spirits or like lodge weird shit happening when electricity. Really? You know, I don't know. I could just be his flashlight. Who knows? Piece of turkey. I guess it's supposed to be flesh from either Ruth or the John Doe. It looked like somebody dropped a sandwich. <laughs> I think when they were in production, Lynch referred to it as a piece of meat. Yeah. So. Well, Adam, with that, we've finished the first episode of The Return. So we're going to take one more quick break. We come back. We're going to do our little bit of wrap-up at the end. All right? Sounds good. All right. In the year 2100, the Earth's cybernetically enhanced population threatened to tear down everything America held dear. Free speech, drive-through liquor stores, and guns. 
so many guns. After much deliberation, it was decided that, if America and its superior values were to survive the coming robocalypse, there was only one option. Get the fuck out. The next hundred years saw the construction of Space America, the galaxy's newest and brightest star. If you value adventure, good times, and cyborg fistfights, find your place in Space America. Space America. No cyborgs need apply. Subscribe to Space America on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or check out CalamityCast.com. And we're back, and we are here for our final thoughts on Twin Peaks The Return, yeah. Episode 1, Part 1. So, Dan, what are your initial thoughts after the first episode of The Return? I, I know you had no idea what to expect. Yeah, I knew that it was going to be very different. You told me that many times over. But my initial thoughts were, what is the crux of Season 3? Season 1 had a, a who-killed-Laura-Palmer kind of thing. You know, there was that mystery. Season 2 was a mess. But... Season three have kind of a linchpin. Yeah, Get it, it does. Get it? A linchpin. Oh, yeah. it does. Dad I would jokes. say that. Um, okay. This show will make it pretty concrete, and it will, I think, will be a little more apparent once we finish part two. Yeah. I did kind of laugh because this episode is jam-packed with characters new and old, and it was just like Lynch was getting into his groove and wasted no time introducing as many characters as he could in an hour-long program, and yeah. he's like. Argh! Can I hit you with what you might find to be the most shocking bit of information here? When I finished this episode, I was like, damn, I want to watch the next one. See what's going on. Well, that's yeah. good. That is something that I have never thought that's watching Twin sign. Peaks. So, bringing Daniel over to the Twin Peaks side. Well, you'll never bring happened. me over to that original shit, all right? Like, I'm, I might be <laughs> like, able to... Yeah. yeah. But you understand how you needed to get through that to even sure. understand. Because oh. if you just dumped yourself in this, even just watching Firewalk with me... But you could have... You, one could have gotten away with watching maybe six or seven episodes of the original series to get enough of the crucial aspects to move forward. What know? were you expecting of Cooper's doppelganger? Because I know for a while you were under the impression that Bob was in the driver's seat. And fans still kind of argue over that, you know. Well, I just assume that's the case because, you know, the long hair and, and the kind of feebleness. Yeah. I didn't know that the doppelgangers kind of had their own personality, their own wants and desires, yeah. that it was a full-on being i thought it was a, a, a ready-made vessel for evil yeah so bob could just do his thing yeah, yeah. well that is yeah. gonna do us for episode one here. yeah this has been the season three premiere of the black lodge complaint department as always thank you so much to retro promenade for providing our theme music and interstitial music please visit retropromenade.bandcamp.com and purchase some of their music Thanks also go out to our pal and yours, Ian McGowan, for our jazzy musical interludes. Check out his band at gooddeedsmusic.bandcamp.com. If you want to talk Twin Peaks or your preferred marijuana hybrids, use the hashtag BLCD on Twitter. That's right, we're still trying to hijack that hashtag. Where we are at CalamityCast, Adam is at Sour underscore Bauer, and I am at underscore DS Williams. Find us on Facebook at CalamityCast, email us at CalamityCastNetwork at gmail.com, and check out CalamityCast.com for all the shows that we have to offer. If you love our show, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you hate our show, leave us a five-star rating yeah. and review on Apple Podcasts. Or wherever the hell you're listening. We need your help to bring in new listeners, and you just doing something as simple as rating and reviewing the show is immensely helpful. Yes. If you'd like to support the CalamityCast Network with dollars and cents, head on over to Patreon.com slash CalamityCast and become a patron. For one-time donations, you can always use paypal.me slash calamitycast. You can also check out tpublic.com for CalamityCast merch. They have monthly sales, so search CalamityCast Network, all one word, to find us and grab some t-shirts or coffee mugs or mouth pads, whatever the hell you want. Yeah. We'll return next week with Season 3, Episode 2 of Twin Peaks and an episode of the Black Lodge Complaint Department that hopes to age as well as Kyle McLaughlin. See you later, nerds. See ya. This has been a Calamity Cast production. For more content, visit calamitycast.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.